Symposium with Ash Orlack. Hi guys, welcome back to Waxing Lyrical from the Symposium. Really happy to be joined by Jay, Arjun, James and Josh again. Um, today we're reviewing a quite varied mix of albums. Uh, re- reviewing Introducing by DJ Shadow, which is Arjun's suggestion. Psychedelic Sounds of the 13th Floor Elevators by the 13th Floor Elevators, which was my suggestion. Mirror Reaper by Bellwitch, which was James's suggestion. And Lego 413 Bait Ones by Jay Paul, which was uh, Josh's suggestion. Um, it's really quite a nice mix of uh, different albums this week, which, I don't know, is something that we like to do because at least it makes it more interesting for you listening as well, um, actually for us listening. And there are some albums on here that, like, for example, James's that I'd never have ever listened to of my own volition. So I guess it's important to expand your repertoire. Um, Arjun, how are you? Happy Diwali. To Josh as well, happy Diwali. Arjun, how's it going? Yeah, thanks. Happy Diwali to you too. Yeah, um, looking forward to discussing um the albums today especially my one that i suggested introducing by dj shadow uh one of those like seminal hip-hop albums that i think is well worth a listen yeah josh yeah i'm not too bad to be honest with you mate i'm looking forward to uh discussing uh the other albums i've listened to uh particularly mirror like mirror reaper um that was very very interesting listen but uh yeah happy divide to you mate um hope you're all spending spending it appropriately i mean i'm not because of covid but what can we do um it's so dead (laughs) josh uh james how are you yeah i'm good thanks i feel like i'm hungover even though i haven't drank in about a month um and looking forward to having my album choice absolutely fucking eviscerated (laughs) by everyone else on this part yeah i mean that's just because they're you know some of us are like normal uh jay how are you yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I'm the only one here who didn't actually get to recommend anything. So I quite I quite look forward to just ripping everyone without kind of any repercussions. All right. Well, if you rip mine, I'll just know that you have no taste. So I mean, that, that's something that we can cover at the start. And Arden's as well. And actually Josh's as well. Um, if, if you <laughs> not, but not James's. <laughs> what do you mean, uh, actually? <laughs> uh, let's, let's just, uh, let's just, you know what? Shall we... Do you think we should just save James for the end? Yeah, let's just save James for the end. You know, keep people waiting. You know, make makes it makes it makes it more interesting. Um, Arjun, why don't you kick off? You um, recommended introducing by DJ Shadow, I think, from nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Um, right. So my album. So have you ever? Uh, I'm guessing you guys have ever have always like put off something they've been wanting to do for a long time to sort of save yourself the disappointment of when it finishes or something like that. Um, I had that with this album, like, this has always been on my list of albums to listen to, um, but I was waiting, you know, putting it putting it off because I knew that I would love it in a, in a weird sort of way, so I wanted to sort of save my enjoyment for it, and yeah, um, that's a really convoluted way of explaining the fact that I put this album off for a long time, but yeah, um, this is an album that I always wanted to listen to, um, and yeah, it's just a really, like, important album in hip-hop history. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a sampled album, like, it samples music from a variety of genres, not just hip-hop, but also funk, jazz, metal, um, psychedelia, as well as, like, clips and um, voice excerpts from films and interviews. And it's just a really, really fun album to listen to. It's, yeah, really important. Um, I love the way that, like, samples are sort of layered over each other and, like, cut into fragments to create the tracks. And the fact that the samples are quite obscure as well. Um, there are some sort of um, well-known samples from artists like Metallica um, and Bjork. 
um but like the interviews and like samples are quite strange there are like minor vocal contributions from some rappers as well um but like really like obscure rappers and mostly just friends of of dj shadow who's like um just like a yeah normal dj um and yeah it's quite a nice album to listen to there are 13 tracks just over an hour long i don't think the album ever sort of lags it's despite the fact there's a nine minute song in the middle um and yeah i've, I've uh, track number two, Building Stream with a gra- with a grain of salt, sort of like lives rent free in my head. To be honest, since I first listened to the album, like it's just, it's just the perfect song. Um, and yeah, the album's just yeah insane. I think. And when I when I as soon as I heard it, not even that, just what, as I was listening to it, I just knew like this was going to be one of my favorite albums and a very important album um, in my life. So yeah, um, I, I think that some some people on this pod have heard it already, but I've been just think what everyone else thinks of it anyway. Yeah, so I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, if I just go first, um, I thought it was genuinely one of the best albums I'd listened to in a very long time. Uh, like, I think it's like a nine plus out of ten. Um, I really enjoyed the long instrumentals and actually the use of percussion, whether it's kind of more almost rocky classic drum sets or more deeper, larger 808 sets. It was all very uh, impactful. And I think the percussion especially was used quite well. In addition to the percussion, I really liked the use of synths throughout the album. I thought that introduced a quite retro feel, but was matched by, along with other sounds, as you say, excerpts, etc., made it seem quite contemporary as well. So I felt like it has aged very well. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I'm really grateful to you for uh, recommending it. Uh, Jay, what did you think? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same wavelength with Ash. I think this is the best album that has been recommended, actually, on this pod. I thought it was really 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 fantastic um i don't really even, it's, it was kind of one of those albums that's so good i don't even have that much to say about it because i feel like everything that's said has kind of already been said it it's just a very very good album it's very interesting it doesn't lag at all it's constantly kind of changing and evolving and in, keeping you interested i think really my my big thing as well was like this album when i thought it couldn't get any better he then starts um sampling twin peaks from like the best scene of the show which is like my favorite show of all time and I was just like, yeah, this album is fucking amazing. That's pretty much all I've got to say about it, really. I mean, whether it's the best album we've had on the pod, I think is very debatable, given we've listened to, like, Merryweather Post Pavilion, and we've listened to some Siri Hendrix Experience albums. But yeah, it's certainly up there. James? This is my favourite. This is my favourite of the bunch. Yeah, I mean, I was I was actually really surprised to see uh, Arjun recommend this album, and I did it did make me do... I've listened to this album, like, a million times before the pod, so it made me do a double take, and... Uh, Go to the Wikipedia page and people call it a hip hop album. It's not a fucking hip hop album. It's a DJ. It's literally a DJ set. Um, this album is yeah, it's super cool. I think it's the first Plunderponics album. Um, and sort of every generation has its like Plunderponics album. So uh, this is the sort of turntablist like A track scratch bastard like uh, tier you know chicka chicka kind of uh, Plunderponics era. And then after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, um, I recommend if you if you like this album so much, you should really, really, really listen to uh, "Since I Left You" by the Avalanches, which is like a really housey, dancey version um, of this concept. And then when we were younger, if you remember, uh, a little bit younger, there was an album by a band called C2C with the single "Down the Road" that everybody was into. That's like the sort of EDM uh, plunderponics uh, version. But yeah, this album's super cool. It resulted um, in a lot of a lot of big changes in dance music and in DJing 
over the subsequent years and it's just like a great listen all the way through it's just pretty much flawless honestly i know that james and arjun have things to say i'll bring in josh though first as he's not contributed yet josh what did you think of this album i mean there isn't really much else to say um other than what's already been said um i thought it's an amazing album it's a given that it's an amazing album and it's really stood the test of time as a really solid piece of work um yeah, like I'd, I'd listened to this album before at university um, and it blew me away with the sampling and the percussion is really, really good throughout the album as well. It like it just extenuates for all the tracks and it's it's so well made and so well pieced together. And like uh, like Jay was saying as well, um, I really appreciate how vast um, and how um, and how and how convoluted like the and dense like um the array of work is really and it's really it's really impressive stuff uh particularly for its time and um and it, it's it's why it's a benchmark as well i mean <laughs> james said it's not necessarily a hip-hop album but it's definitely had it's definitely had profound a profound impact on the, the successive hip-hop scene afterwards and um yeah i just love it so so much like i can't fault it um it's just a it's just a clear 10 out of 10 album um there's not much else i can say on the on the on the particulars which hasn't already been said but uh yeah like and it was an amazing choice for margin and it was a pleasure to listen to it again because i haven't listened to it in a long time yeah i mean we had this issue when we um had axis board of love and i think it was electric ladyland one of them on the pod um back in the summer and basically where it was just so good that we just didn't really have much we could have added um, wasn't it are you experienced was it are you experienced as well <laughs> yeah. and and it was just so good that that we couldn't really add much add much to what had already been said or what has been said by others and i think that's quite common with this album but i think that's a massive compliment because it just shows the the kind of esteemed quality of this album arjun um yeah just on whether it can be classed as like a hip-hop album i think it's definitely like a hip-hop adjacent album for as josh said the influence that it's had on um, hip, the hip-hop like culture and community um like his most recent album that came out last year our pathetic age half half of it was instrumentals but the other half ha- had like features on it from the likes of nas ghostface killer uh raekwon um run the jewels So like you know you can see that like you have hip-hop artists willing to work with him and like he is actually willing to sort of have uh, more like traditional vocals on on, on his album but i think this can definitely be classed as like an instrumental hip-hop album for sure rather than just sort of a dj album or how you'd say it, it's more yeah it's definitely like a instrumental experimental hip-hop album and the fact that you know is there enough rapping for it to be i don't think hip-hop necessarily just needs rapping it can also I mean, be instrumentals and sampling and there's yeah. literally a genre which this com- which this fits into because there's a wider genre which is you know plunder products which is just building everything out of samples but this is like a tech this is like a textbook example of turntablism like this is the turntablism sound. Yeah, fair enough. Jay? Yeah, kind of just on the, like, what is the hip-hop album? Because I was, I messaged Arjun, like, a couple of minutes into the first listen of this album, because I was like, uh, this is not what the fuck I was expecting from you. I was sitting there waiting and waiting for someone to start rapping or something, which, to be honest, is kind of why I hadn't listened to it already. I'd seen it floating around at the top, and I'm always... Whenever I see hip hop, I'm almost like I almost set myself up for disappointment because there's so many hip hop albums I listen to that I'm just a bit like, like, eh, doesn't really do much for me. Um, and here I felt like getting rid of the rapping, getting rid of it, and just remaking everything about the samples, which is the stuff that I'm actually interested in that I like. For me, it just took everything I like about the genre and just pushed it to the okay. forefront. You don't yeah, like I know. 
like rapping? I don't dislike rapping. I just think a lot of the time it becomes. I think a lot of the time, a lot of hip hop albums, it's just not that interesting. It's just you, you know one go- hip hop album that disappointed you. There's been a lot. I can think. I can think of more that didn't disappoint me than one that did. So what you're saying is you prefer the production. Which, which really critically esteemed hip hop album disappointed you? Um, well, when we spoke about it ages ago, I wasn't mad about Danny Brown's album. I wasn't that. Yeah, I know that's. You bastard. Yeah, I wasn't that mad about it's it. It's quite um, peak, actually, Jay. See, that's um, that's one where the rapping definitely complements the production of. Yeah, yeah, it's an album that I think maybe I should give another listen to because I'm kind of I always see it floating around on top of top of list. I'm like maybe I maybe I misjudged that one. Um, uh, maybe to... you'd have to like I don't know. Maybe you just didn't don't really like hip hop very much. Uh, I like... don't. I think my issue with hip hop is I, so it's a comp, it's a criticism I always say for Arjun's albums is I feel like there's a lot of the time it's just one guy with like one kind of standard monotonous monotonous voice going on and on and on. And it just gets, I get a bit bored after a while with like a consistent beat. And it's just, it gets get me bored by like second, third minute of a song. Yeah, Whereas so, here um, it was constantly switching up and it was constantly changing and you didn't have that. Yeah, so the other day I was listening to another Benny the Butcher album with Jay. And he, he, he kept pointing out the fact that he loved some of the tracks where there was like multiple features. So I think maybe you, you prefer like, you know, different sort of production, different features yeah. rather than just the same sort of monotonous voice going over and over again. Maybe it's just the fact that you haven't listened to the right albums. Yeah, it probably is. ADD. That's that's the takeaway. Josh, what do you what do you want to say? Um, I I think I, I do I do feel like it still it still sits quite firmly and comfortably in the realm of a hip hop album in the sense that if you look at other sort of contemporaries um, who've made albums on on a, on a sort of similar sort of in a, in a, in a sort of similar genre to um, you know to this album like Jay Dilla's Donuts, for instance, like that. I would put I would put it very you know very much seated in the hip hop genre, but it probably I mean I, I, it's probably it's, it's still probably a multi genre album, but like it definitely has its roots of hip hop like instilled throughout the entirety of the project. I think Jay Dilla is a strong strong comparison. Uh, also, you, can see, you can see the influence. Sorry, no, no, you can see the influence of this strongly in Donut. Oh no, completely so. Um, with regards to Jay. Um, also going off on a tandem and talking about how um you know how rapping is not really particularly he doesn't really appreciate a lot of the rapping albums uh hip-hop albums i i think i think what i really appreciate by the, about this album i know there's barely any rapping in it really and it's it's really sample heavy but the intellectual side to it and i feel like in the 90s like hip-hop was at its most intellectual not just lyrically but also sonically and that's what I appreciate about this album because I feel like this album's the, the the sort of apogee, the like the very top of you know like of of, of the very the very the very best to offer of the nineties in terms of production style and mixing, and it's it's just so so good. Um, but I do that strong place. You're putting it ahead of like uh, a lot of Wu Tang albums and. Um, I mean, it, with regards to production, I do feel like this is in a league of its own. Um, in the 90s and I, I don't dispute that at all I mean there are so many great hip-hop albums of the 90s but on a production level like this this album is a masterpiece and um, it's why it stood the test of time even though it you know like DJ DJ Shadow is an underground sort of artist hip-hop artist like it's still such a prominent um, album which has you know left ripples uh, in the hip-hop scene since it was released um, and it deserves that title as a, 
as a top top tier hip hop album, and it is and it is timeless as well. Like it's it's mm. still just as relevant now as it ever has been. Yeah, I think that's like really. I think that's. I think I agree with everything you said there. I think, yeah, especially the stuff about it being timeless and aging well, and and it says certainly about the influence it's had on on other albums too. Oh yeah, let, let's move on to the next album then. So the next album uh, is uh, Psychedelic Sounds of the 13th Floor Elevators by the 13th Floor Elevators, which was my choice. Um, I chose it because I'd listened to this album a lot uh, over many years and I, I really do like psychedelic kind of rock sounds. Um, and I thought that it would be an album that other people in the pod would also enjoy, given that people in the pod um, enjoy um, like Pink Floyd and similar kind of albums. Uh, and I think that, you know, I, I thought that it would be something that would that would lead to a kind of good discussion. So this album's got quite an interesting history. So it came out in 1966. And um, the guy who kind of is behind it is um, Roger Erickson, who's had a very interesting life, as in he ended up in a mental asylum because he pleaded mental illness to avoid conviction for a charge of some description. And, and that led to him having mental health issues due to the treatment he received at the asylum throughout his life. And... Um, that meant that he struggled to kind of go back into the music business and restart his career. But he still produced this album and uh, a few other early pieces in the 60s. And I think similar to um, something like uh, Velvet Underground and Nico, this album didn't receive massive uh, critical praise uh, on its release, but received a lot of praise subsequently. And when other musicians admitted that they kind of had taken a lot of influence from it. And I, and I do really like, you know, the different sounds in the album, the cutting, the guitar that cuts through all, all the way. Um, and, and this is quite a, very, quite a controversial album as well and quite provocative because the 34 Elevators made even more of a point than other, than other artists of this period to have a, a narcotic-based philosophy about the world. Um, and they basically, through narcotics, decided to try and explore um, kind of new arenas of sound and reality. And they tried to express that in this album in a far more open way than many other people, even in the 60s, did of this era. Um, and I think that was quite powerful and interesting and also gave a, gave a lot of things that we could talk about, too. Um, and I think it's also relevant for this pod because I know there are Radioheads, Radiohead fans in this pod and people like Tom York and Greenwood, etc., said that they that say that they took a lot of influence on this album. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, that also was relevant. Um, but yeah, Josh, what did you think? Um, again, I really enjoyed this project as well. Um, I'd never heard it before, personally. Um, but I immediately get what you're saying about when now you told me that the, the, the you know, like the mental health issues which were in the background of this album the whole time when it was being made. And I can, I can def, it, I think it's definitely reflected in the music. It's quite schizophrenic at times, and um, but I, I, that's that works to its strengths. And um, no. I think what baffled me the most immediately upon listening to it and which permeated through the entirety of the album um, was the use of the electric jug um, thing uh, like I was like what is that I don't think I've ever heard a sound like that before and that really alerted me alerted my attention and immediately I knew I was going to listen to a project which was quite dissimilar to anything I've listened to in the past um, needless to say I also really enjoyed um how polytonal the album is um and and it really the structure of the songs is also um it's not it's not samey and it's quite and they do change it up throughout the album regardless of still using the same sort of um 
electric drug instrument instrumentation throughout the entirety of the album like they still it's still a every track still stands as its own uh but at the same time as a as a hot entire album like it is all encompassing and it does have an overarching feel to it and i think i read somewhere that um that this was the first (laughs) this was the first music album to actually dub their music to be psychedelic Mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, and it's it's very very trippy. I listened to it uh, before I went to bed, and yeah, like it just it just yeah, made I mean, me really really dizzy and sleepy. Bed, before you go to bed, I think you might get like a lot of uh, kind of effects um, from it because it, you know, like songs, for example, like Roller Coaster, or or like which which I think like Sutherland is is Stacey Sutherland is the guitarist and um, part of. The guitar in that song, especially, I feel like it creates quite a dark mood, quite somber mood. Um, yeah, and that that'll be quite powerful, especially like, before you go to sleep. It was really, it was really soporific as well. Like it really yeah. just made me, um, it did, it just put me into sort of a into sort of a weird dreamlike state at times. Um, and like I said, it is quite a schizophrenic album in my opinion, anyway. Uh, but I'd still give it, I'd give it a nine out of ten. Um, mm. Because I was baffled by, I was baffled by the electric jug. To be honest with you, when it just yeah, yeah. no, I think I'd give it something similar. I don't think it reaches the the heights that that people followed, that people that followed it did. But I think almost like eight to eight and a heartbreak, it's got an yeah. important an important role in the development of a subsequent genre. Even if the albums that came after are better, but the albums that came after are only better because this exists, you know, prima facie, which I think is an important point. Um, Arjun, what did you think? Yeah, no, I I enjoy this album. Um... I thought it was a fun listen. Um, I love I love psychedelic rock albums like this. I haven't listened to enough, um, but you know this is like a good sort of not introduction, but just like a good sort of um, place to which I can sort of resume my listening to it. Um, I thought the title and the cover sort of scream nineteen sixties. Like it's you can tell like it's a very formative album, as you said in 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 this genre. Um, and yeah, I really like the sort of um, the guitar riffs at times, the extended guitar riffs that are very sort of bubbly and wobbly. Um, the vocals are just got, like quite like trippy and insane. I really like Monkey Island. I like Fire Engine. Um, my favorite yeah, Monkey track Island's was, a really really good song. My favorite track was probably Splash One, Now and Home, um, which I thought was really fun. And yeah, the start the first song of the album like was just like really fun. Um, like the howl of the the guitar. Um, sorry, the howl of the um, the singer. Um, I don't know his name. Sorry, um, over the top of the guitar tone. Sort of like Ericsson, Ericsson's the one that most mostly singing in the album. Yeah. Like yeah, it said a good introduction for what was to come. Um, first the album, but I thought yeah, this was a fun album. I probably gave it like a seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, which is for me, it's like quite a strong rating. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it's a good recommendation. Fair enough. Um, Jay, what did you think of it? Um, see, I, I again, I enjoyed it, but I think what Ash said about it's not as good as what followed it for me meant I couldn't give it more than a six out of ten. For me, it was it was a good album. There was no point in this where I was bored or felt uninterested, well, not, not uninterested, but didn't feel like a song was good. It was consistently good. I kind of the way I would describe it was, you know, the album The Doors by by The Doors, the title album is in the middle of it. You've got like my fire, and at the end, you've got the end. And between it, you've got all these songs which are good, but you kind of don't remember the second the album finishes. You kind of forget about them. And I felt like this was an album of the tracks that kind of come between it. You know, it was just, they're all good. They're nothing that's going to get under my skin or really excite me. But also it's nothing that would make me want to turn the radio station over. Like, I felt it was good. Um, I can understand that it's influential. I don't necessarily listen to an album just because it was influential. 
Yeah. That won't make me want to go back and listen to it again. Um, I can also appreciate it with Josh. The thing is that the jug thing, at points I felt like it was really cool. At points I was like, it's kind of annoying me a little bit. It kind of felt like, a, it kind of at points, like there was like a, you know, like when you're in a restaurant, you've got like a fly buzzing over your head. That's kind of what it sounded like at points. Um, not necessarily in a bad way. It kind of made this like trippy vibe of it. Um, it was an interesting album. It was a good album. I just don't think it was like anything to write home about. Fair enough. Uh, James, what did you think? Do you agree more with Jay or with uh, Josh? Right. Yeah, I'm start off more on the on the J standpoint. Um, so basically, in around 2012, I only listened to like shitty music, and then two things happened. Firstly, somebody played the wall in their car, and I was like, "Man, the wall's fucking good." And the other thing that happened was I had like an iTunes voucher, and I just bought the first thing that had been released that day, which was Tame Impala's Lonerism. And then I became super obsessed with psychedelic music. And this was one of the first albums I then listened to after Googling psychedelic, because as you say, it's the first psychedelic album. Um, and I remember thinking it was like a masterpiece. I haven't listened to it since then, uh, like since 2012. And I listened to it like last weekend. Um, I just, I thought the sounds were kind of cool, but um, it was very, um, it just felt quite uh, quite an empty experience. I don't know whether it was just because of the mood I was in or or, or whatever, but it just felt like um, kind of just a lot of very standard psych rock. Um, but obviously I'm aware that it was very influential on, on the movement, which has, you know, influenced decades upon decades of, of great music. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean... It, it, I guess um, regardless of how good you think it is, it's, its influence is undeniable. And I think that um, JJ put that quite eloquently. Um, I actually liked him more than, than you did and Jay did, um, partly just because I really enjoyed the guitar. I don't know, maybe because what I knew about the backstory also impacted mm -hmm. how I enjoy it, which sometimes happens. Like, you, you can't really separate out. You can't really separate out what you knew before. And, you know, you can't really go back hypothetically and say how you would have interpreted it if you didn't know anything about the artist. So that, that could easily have had an effect. But yeah, no, I, I really do in, enjoy this album a lot. I think it's better than most of Pink Floyd's albums, to be honest, because I think they've released a lot of mediocre stuff. And I think that this is better than things like Piper, things like uh, The Division, Bell, and all the other stuff that they released after the war. Um, so I, I put it up there with, you know, some good psychedelic albums. And I actually probably give it like a nine out of ten, actually. Jay? Well, to be fair, like when I was listening to this album, it was what, say, it was like three o'clock in my bedroom, which isn't really like peak psychedelic time. And I kind of was thinking while listening to this, if I heard it in a different place, in a, dif a different time, maybe in a different mood, I probably would enjoy it more. Um, this, may this sounds a bit more condescending than it actually is, but I kind of felt like if I was in like some, like some kind of slightly trashy burger shack in the US, say in like California, and they were playing these songs that like overlap, I'd be like, oh, this restaurant's got fucking banging music taste. Like it kind of evoked that kind of place in time in my mind. Um, I just felt like maybe I was not in the right mindset and I'm open that I might like it more in the future. But I do think, even if I don't think, yeah, I do agree on you that a lot of Pink Floyd's albums outside of kind of the main ones are a bit like blah. But yeah, I don't, I do. Of, of like, well, outside of like five metal, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, Dark Side of the Moon, yeah, yeah, here in the wall, yeah. I think this is better than most of the others. Yeah, but I mean, that's quite a low bar. But I would agree. Um, I just think you know, it's not like the, the Hendrix albums, which I guess is where I set my kind of benchmark for psychedelic music. 
Yes. No, no, fair enough. But little, but few things are, Jay. Few things are. No, of course, um, of course. It's such let's, a long fair benchmark. Let's um, move on then to um, Josh, uh, your Jay Paul album. And yeah, when you introduce it, can you just tell those who maybe would, would don't know much about Jay Paul or just about him? Because he's got, just simply as I did, he's got a very interesting story as an artist. Oh, definitely. Um, well, I first came across uh, Jay Paul as an artist when one of my... Um, one of my friends who's actually a music artist himself um he's called uh darshan that's his uh that's his uh, artist name um and he uses um no ashwin i know what you yeah sorry um he and he infuses a lot of a, a lot of bollywood elements into his um into his uh kind of like sonically um uh, synthy sounded sort of music um, and he showed me this like he showed me this Jay Paul album he told me to, to to look at it and I was like okay I've never really heard of Jay Paul before and I, I listened to it and I was like what is this um, and I'll go into it afterwards about how I feel and what it and, and, and the sort of like impact it's had on me in terms of when I listen to it but uh, this, the background to Jay Paul like Ashwin said is very interesting because it's 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 sort of shrouded in mystique um there'd been i think he became quite big uh in the underground scene um um earlier early in the in the previous decade and um as the story goes um he's you know he's making this his debut album his debut project and then um i think he'd already released two uh, of his songs already bts uh to you i think that's what it was called and um jasmine and then um whilst he was in the um whilst he was making the album uh allegedly he burned his album onto a onto a disc and um misplaced it and someone someone found the uh found the disc and actually uploaded uh and leaked, leaked the album before it actually officially debuted um and so his music got exposed before he was really he'd really finished it and um as the story goes like he just into uh, some sort of depression and and just had this real mistrust with the music industry as a result. And he's been pretty much incognito uh, since uh, that 2013 leak until last year when he officially uploaded the unfinished version of this album, which was leaked in 2013, uh, and then successively uploaded uh, two new songs, um, which personally I think are not of the caliber of the potential you see in the album as for the album itself what drew me to it um and what other people have have, have said about it is the fact that um it almost signaled the new wave of pop for that decade um or that's how it was how it was seen it was sort of like the what would happen in the next decade whether it lived up to that influence or not is another question but uh that's how it was viewed when the um the tracks were leaked um uh, but no, yeah. So like artists such as Drake and Beyonce, um, to my knowledge, have sampled um, his his most popular song BTS to you um, on his album uh, on their on their albums. But um, uh, what really gri- like gri- like gripped me when I listened to like the project was just how he infused um, uh, Bollywood samples with his music and also um, his R and B and pop um, influences really um really sort of merge well with that cultural um sound as well um i mean the first song straight out of mumbai 
um, and you hear like the um, you know the Indian sample at the end, um, Anushka Shankar, I think it is, um, at the very end, along with like uh, the doll sound as well um, uh, um, in the track, really just got me straight away. And I was like, wow, like this is he's really, really like trying to combine, like merge together, like the the Asian sound with the British sound to create something which was probably and probably still is seemingly quite unique. My friend himself, uh, who's a musician, is also um, trying to do something similar with, like to that in terms of fusing together these two cultures. But Jay Paul, when I heard this, I was blown away by that. And as someone who doesn't really know any many other British Asian artists and doesn't really listen to enough Asian music, it was really refreshing to hear something so relevant and so Western, but at the same time appreciative of of my of that of my Asian roots and like songs that just crush of, of of I think I think the song's called Crush as well, like the original song. Um and songs like Jasmine and Zion Wolfheim and Genevieve um really just showcase the potential there with his songs. Um even though a lot of the work is unfinished. Um it's cr- interesting to see that the reviewers uh like see his work as unanimously important and and sort of um, genre defying and I do feel like this album can't be seen as a 10 purely because it's unfinished but it is crazy to see um, how like most people rave about this album regardless of the fact that it's unfinished and I guess there is just so much to love about it and the rawness to it is what is so gripping is that it's it's unfinished, but it still works well and holds together as a great album still. Anyway, yeah, sorry, it's quite long. No, no, I think that was all really good. I mean, I really appreciate this album. Um, I didn't know much. I knew a bit about Joe Paul because he, he obviously was very prominent uh, like 10 years ago, but I didn't listen to much of his stuff until obviously you told me about some of his stuff like... Uh, Maybe a, well, a few months ago now, actually. And I listened to this and a few other, and, and his other uh, couple of songs. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed Straight Out Mumbai um, as a kind of fusion sound, as you said, um, with like a doll at the end. And um, yeah, <laughs> I think that is Anushka Sharma, yeah, at the end. So, or Shankar at the end. And that was, um, that was uh, I think, really powerful because I don't really know of many artists similarly who, who've done that, that kind of stuff. Um, I... I thought that the album being unfinished was quite interesting because it's always interesting to hypothesize about how um, or pontificate about how how the album might be different if it had been finished, if it had been worsened or improved. But I think in some areas, you know, I couldn't really tell that it was unfinished. The sound did seem quite polished or at least intentionally rustic in some areas, which is obviously how some finished albums sound. Um, So I, I really enjoyed it for that respect, too. And um, yeah, overall, I'm like quite grateful for just choosing this album because it's an album I really do enjoy. And um, it's a shame, really, the career trajectory that Jay Paul's had because he he could have been something, I think, you know, a bit of a phenomenon over the last 10 years if things had panned out differently. Arjun? Um, yeah, I, I found it a really conflicting album to listen to. So I wanted to like it. I really wanted to like it. I, I like the background behind it. I like, yeah, I like the story. I like the fact that he was wearing a Chelsea kit on the cover. Like, you know, there's so many elements about it that I, I enjoyed and, and wanted to like, basically. But I just found it a bit of a hard listen because, as Josh said, like, the fact that he incorporates, like, Indian music into it, um, you know, is something to be um, praised and lauded. Um, I can think, I, I can't think of many um, songs I've listened to that do that successfully, um, sort of 
um, fusing sort of Indian Indian like samples with like um, hip hop or like instrumental or like uh, disco or whatever type of like genres. I can't think of many. I can think of like two off the top of my head. Um, that's uh, Mad Libs um, incorporation of um, some some random like Indian track in in the song Janice by Freddie Gibbs and Bandana. And I can think of the Bounce by um, Jay Z featuring Kanye West, which is produced by Kanye. That has like Indian elements about it, but you know, there's not much. It's very slim pickings. Um, so I, I appreciated that. So for that example, for, for that reason, I really enjoyed Straight Out of Mumbai. I thought that was a really fun listen. But my biggest query with this album is like, it. I don't get why he didn't. He had like all this time to sort of touch up the album, like improve it, but didn't, and just released it as it was, as it was like leaked back in 2013. I don't really know whether that was like an artistic choice or something, or just laziness. Um, like why he wouldn't just like add a couple of new songs or improve the unfinished ones to make a complete robust album, and like songs like um, what was it like I can't it was a hundred thousand or ten thousand, like it sounds like it's gonna have some like explosive build up or synth like that's you know throughout distorted synth that are like building up but it just doesn't it it stays at the same volume intensity they even like fade out at some point throughout the track, um, and like the mixing in this album isn't that good I don't think. Um, so like for I think it was Des- Desert River where the percussion is like really like obnoxious like really overpowering that just sort of ruins my the enjoyment of the song like it's yeah it's really overbearing and like I just don't understand why like the songs are like unfinished when he could have had time to like release them you know touch them improve touch up on them improve them so I just found it a bit of a weird listen but I appreciated it for what it was but I, I, I'm not quite sure why he released it like this. I mean, I could be completely wrong. It could be like an artistic choice. It could be something that he wasn't able to improve on. But, you know, educate me. But I'm just, I found it a weird listen. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree with some of your contentions there about how, I mean, even just from a band's perspective, because I think I, I do consider myself a fan of his, that, it, uh, you know, I didn't get to have a finished finished uh, album because this album is pretty much identical or is identical to the one that was originally leaked I think that everyone was able to listen to like eight nine years ago so um, yeah as you say it is a bit disappointing that that it wasn't improved on when he released it formally James what are your thoughts on maybe Jay Paul as an artist and and on this album yeah I mean the first thing to say obviously is that the only music he's released since 2013 are those two new tracks and they are um I think Josh was maybe a little mild about it. They are fucking trash, the two new tracks. I mean, they're just atrocious. The second thing is that there is some debate over whether he leaked it himself, given that nobody gave a fuck about J. Paul in 2013. So who's going to go hunting for a mixtape and then release it? The third thing is that this album sounds exactly like several other albums that came out in the same year or the same two years, one being Jungle's debut and the other one being Glass Animal Saba. They sound the same. They're the, the same albums. Just that, but so I it's not a unique. I noticed that, but I didn't interpret it as cynically as you have. Yeah, it's not a unique sound at all. The next thing is that at the time, if you look at the reviews at the time, they were not kind to this album uh, when it was leaked, and the there was a lot of cynicism around uh, whether he'd leaked it himself. Um, that since mild, so a lot of mild leaks. So a lot of people are now of the opinion that he didn't. He didn't leak it himself, especially because he seems to have gone through a lot of mental health issues. And they're a bit kinder to it. But the reason is that seeing it's been released now, so we can say that, you know, we don't have to be like, oh, it's it's leaked and unfinished and it's so bad because he, he has had time to change it. Um, it sounds incredibly painfully unfinished. 
um a lot of the production is like really truly atrocious jay and i were talking whilst i was listening to it and both of us said at separate times that we felt like our headphones were broken or that because the production is just so whacked it's like at times it would feel like the, the the mixing levels the equalization just like fell through the floor for absolutely no reason and it was like i was trying to turn it up and all of the the sounds just got lost in this sea of just complete it was just a mess and there were lots of tracks which were you know really uh really good i think the standout for me was was either straight out of mumbai or, or jasmine were both great tracks although jasmine's been played a lot on the radio i think um but it just as a whole, it just um, it falls apart. It's one of these albums which has lots of short songs on it, and you imagine that if it was finished, they would all be linked together, and it would come together as sort of this this thing, like this object, um, and it didn't come come together, which is really sad. But it just kind of annoyed me slightly because it, this is 2013, and, and, and taking things on their best terms, assuming that somebody had uh, leaked it, and you know everything w- was was out of his control you would just really you would have hoped that he would have like done something with it um and as they say those two new tracks are like, uh, it's like he's the nav of pop <laughs> i mean that's 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 i think that's a bit of hot. i think the last bit especially was was unnecessary <laughs> sorry i'm sorry nav of pop come on i mean that that's quite insulting um jay what did you think before i let josh rebut Rebut, well, rebut what James has said, and, and uh, don't worry, James, that's what Josh will get his revenge when he talks about your death metal project. <laughs> um, okay, I, I I don't even know what I think of this album, if I'm being honest. I Pretty, gave it... Th- you're coming on the no, book. no, in the sense that I gave it a three out of five on Rate Your Music, but I feel like that's what you give an album when you're kind of a bit, like, on the fence. There were points, both throughout the album and kind of even within, like, a single song, where I was like, I can't decide if I absolutely love this or I absolutely hate this. And I couldn't decide if it was great or if it was rubbish. It was, it was just a strange album. Not necessarily in a bad way. It was interesting. So there were points, especially in the song Genevieve, I felt like actually the unfinished nature of the song worked in its favour as it made it kind of more interesting and it kind of felt like the glitches helped it flow from section to section. Um, but there were points where I was just like, this is just hurting my head and this is hurting my ears. Um, I do feel like maybe if I'd listened to it back in, although I don't know the albums that James is talking about. He says are sonically the same, but I do feel like if I listened to it in 2013, in a world where there weren't people like Charlie XCX kind of on the mainstream and people like that who've kind of got a similar kind of sound, if I would have been more impressed than I was now. But I think it was a good album. Um, I think it was interesting. Uh, there were points where I was, I kind of echoed the frustrations of everyone else. I was like, why didn't you just fucking finish this bloody song? Josh. Fuck my life, James, man. You're like Roy Keane on this podcast. <laughs> bloody, <laughs> Sorry. Bloody scathing, mate. <laughs> nah, it's calm. Um, I will say, I, I do actually sympathise um, for your perspective, to be fair. I can understand why you would see it that way. And I haven't listened to the other contemporary projects which you've brought up yourself. So I will check those out as well. And maybe I will change my mind and realise that this music isn't anything to really be that surprised by um but yeah like i think this album is actually i think there is an argument to say it's more lauded for its absence of sound than it is for its for its sound like the 
I think people are more intrigued. I think I think a pool of people who listen to this album will be more intrigued of what what could have been as opposed to what is. If you know what I mean, like because like most of the tracks on there are, are are unfinished, and even the ones which are relatively done, they haven't been mixed properly. Even straight out of Mumbai doesn't sound like a finished song, even though it, it you know it is comparably to a lot of the other tracks on the album. For me, it's the intrigue of what it would have been like had it been wholly finished. Would it have held together as a really great album? Would it have been it has been given in in successive years? Um, or would it have just been viewed as a very a very bog standard album of a, of an artist who's just tried to sort of very very rudimentally uh, sort of fuse together two different cultural sounds and try and make it work? Um, but the rawness is what stands out for me on this album, and I think with time, um, that's what I think that's its main quality, which is really given it the resonance it has done like it's raw and unfinished nature is is seen as its best quality and i don't i don't know whether people have been too easy on this album and lauding it with praise but i i definitely don't think it's a wank album i definitely feel like it has its merits um to it and it's a very different sort of album obviously and it's unique and it's in the fact that it's it's being treated as an unfinished piece of work but the unfinished piece of work technically is a finished piece of work yeah. and uh but like i agree with jay um i agree with james in the sense that the recent music he released is diabolic um it's awful um comparably to what he has in the um in the uh in, in the album itself so i i mean I, I don't really disagree too much with him apart from the fact he is kind of scaling um um about the majority of the album i i agree with the sentiments but not to the, the extent um, he would convey them. Um, um, yeah. Well, this gives us, you know, now talking about kind of kind of negative perceptions. I think this is a really good time to bring in uh, James's album, uh, which is a death metal album um, called um, Mirror, Doom Metal. Actually, Doom Metal album. It's not actually death Mirror metal. Yeah. By Bell Witch. Um, other than before, we all agree that it's utterly shit. I think we need <laughs> to give James a chance to introduce it and maybe introduce the genre and the artist, James. Yeah, sorry. I apologize. Right. What might you perceive as excessive negativity? I feel like I'm going through heroin withdrawal. I'm not sure why. So <laughs> my perceptions might be um, exaggerated. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I thought I would uh, maybe try and push the, <laughs> introduce the pods to, to something slightly different this week. Um, I have sort of um, uh, a unifying theory of, of music listening that the more and more you listen to music, it's sort of like a um, an exponential curve. And the, the y-axis on that curve is just like pure noise. Um, so the more and more you listen, eventually you get to a point whereby you, you, you listen to one of two things. One is like experimental jazz, just like drone metal. Um, this album I chose because I think it fits into a really interesting place where it's like genuinely one of the heaviest albums I've ever heard, but it's not abrasive. So if you listen to like death metal, you get a lot of like, and it's like, I really don't like it. It's, it's really quite abrasive. It's quite uh, off-putting. Whereas this is more um, in a league with uh, something which I guess you would call doom metal, where it's, it's a little bit more melodic. Um, I think it's an interesting 
zeitgeisty album in the metal scene because it fits in between two sort of resurgencies. One is uh, drone metal, which is uh, kind of like Sun-O, um, if, you, if you know them. It's basically just like crushing riffs. Like There's like 30-minute tracks where basically the notes don't change at all, and it's designed to sort of pull you into a hypnotic trance. Um, and the other one uh, is mean like if you want to turn it off? Well, no, you have to get into a sort of liminal space whereby you you almost don't notice the music's there. Um, and it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's quite, I think it's quite powerful. And then the other one is a Black Gaze, more well-known because Sunbather is like Pitchfork's favorite fucking album of the last 10 years, so everyone's heard it, um, which is sort of shoegaze melded with, with much harder music, which, you know, of course, shoegaze was, was already halfway there anyway to begin with. Um, this album's kind of neither of those two things, but I think it fits nicely in the middle, whereby there's enough progression for it to not be criticized as being like too dull, like subtle, but also it's not um, aggressive to be called too aggressive. And basically the story behind this album was that the drummer, uh, I think the drummer in the band um, died. Uh, I'm not sure how, uh, why. And then the other members of the band sort of recorded this as, as a reaction to that. Um, and yes, it's a very long album. It's 80 minutes long. Um, it's supposed to feel incredibly long, though, um, but I think the progression in it is very good. And if you sort of let yourself go with it, especially by the end of the album, it becomes an incredibly, um, <laughs> it becomes an incredibly sort of powerful experience. I think, at least by the end. Yeah. Um, um, Jay Edwards, go. Okay. Um, to be honest, I, I think I probably hated this album less than the rest of you. Um, in the sense of when it was the first 20 odd minutes, I was like, oh my God, I can't stand this. This is just the same noise going on and on and on. And it got to a point where I was I was kind of at first just lying on my bed, trying to kind of just sit, zone out and listen to the album. And that wasn't working at all. And after around the halfway, after 30 minutes in, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to sit on Facebook and let it play in the background. And it got a bit better. And I found myself kind of vibing to it a little bit by that point, because I was I kind of almost wasn't paying attention to it. It was just kind of there in the background. I think the thing is when James was like, oh, yeah, this is a very heavy album. I was kind of expecting I was treating heavy to be kind of synonymous with abrasive. Um, and I thought when the kind of screaming started that that's the territory we we're going to go down. And I kind of actually would have preferred it if it did that, because I thought like maybe it would have been more interesting. I felt like for me it was there was although it was an 80 minute album yeah obviously it created an atmosphere that it wanted to do it had this like kind of doomy miserable almost like borderline nihilistic vibe that it was trying to get off but I felt like it didn't actually do anything with its runtime other than create an, a sustained atmosphere it was like the song in the first kind of 10 minutes was pretty much the same as what the song had achieved in 70 minutes later um I don't know I felt like it kind of just felt like there was no reason for it to be 83 minutes. It could have quite happily been 20 minutes and it would have done the same bloody thing. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I'll just for my brief remarks, I haven't got much more to add over that because I think I agree almost entirely what you said. I really enjoyed the... Most of it, I thought, was fine. Like, it didn't remark... It didn't... I didn't hate it. Um, that's mostly a meme. I, I, I didn't hate it. I... I thought the middle crescendo bit around 32 minutes-ish, which is how I kind of marked it because there's no tracks, obviously. Um, I thought that was interesting. 
think is mo most long form things like that that I've listened to are, are classical music, which I think is a lot better than this. <laughs> so I, I, I struggled with that comparison. Um, but I, I think um, it wasn't bad. I, I'm really open to listening to more of this genre, I think, because it, it it offered something in its atmosphere and mood that, that I hadn't seen before in, 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 my, in, in, in other music. Um, and I know I am grateful to James for kind of pushing the envelope slightly. I think that's important in most aspects of life. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ar Arjun, what did you think? No, that's a good perspective, um, what you just said there about pushing the envelope. But for me, as you may know, I don't have a lot of patience to sit through and listen to particularly long tracks or long albums in one go. So the only thing I'll say about this album is that I didn't, I didn't spend 83 minutes on it. I sort of, after about 20 minutes, I thought there are better things I could be doing with my time and then listen to this for another hour. So I did sort of like fast forward through it a little bit, you know, using the um, scrubbing um, option on Spotify. And I, yeah, I, I sort of listened to it section by section rather than listen to it in full. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. So I'll, I'll let someone else take the lead. Just, just briefly, um, like, are there any specific reasons that you didn't particularly enjoy it? And you, you like, what, what aspects of the music itself um, made you kind of turn off? I mean, I just found it very repetitive. I mean, there wasn't much that was different, like, constantly. Like, it just felt the same. Um, so, of course, I just wanted to, like, you know, skip to another section of it. And then, again, I got to another section. It was just, like, the same thing happening, the same sort of chords, the same rhythm the same sound so I just skipped again you know I just didn't feel like I wanted to spend one hour 23 minutes or however long it was um listening to it when I could have been doing other things so I, I reckon I got it done in about 20 minutes um yeah well um you're like Alan Johnson doing his uh twi taekwondo and Mark walks in he's like oh this should take you 30 minutes but it's only taken me five <laughs> um Josh what did you think go on get your revenge um I, I don't, to be honest with you, like the best way of describing it, I'd say the first three quarters, it remains at its like nadir, and then like the the, the last quarter of the of, of of the track is it a track or is it a, what what do you even call it? Like, um, it reaches its it weirdly it reaches its like its own imperial zenith. Like the last twenty minutes, I really appreciated. Um, I really enjoyed like the vocals at the like near to the end of the of, of the of the track or the album or whatever you want to call it. Like, um, I I mean like I I'm sort of in my views in concomitance with like Jay's like the majority of the song of, of the song or the track or whatever. Like, um, I didn't really want to listen to, but I I, I sort of woke up and was like, you know what, I'm gonna just play this whilst I'm struggling to get out of bed, uh, and it's somehow like towards the end i actually did appreciate it it has a very like dirge like funereal sound to it and i i i'm one to like warm to songs like that um being like a you know a, a madass like joy division and cure or obviously burial sort of fan like i do love like liturgical sounding music um and so i did warm to it after a while when i heard the vo vocals pierce through the desolate sounds and of the music um would i listen to it again i actually think i will you know um i want to uh, decrypt it even more i actually really appreciated it um i just yeah i don't know there's there was some allure to it that i i don't feel like i fully was able to appreciate it after one listen but i'm intrigued enough to want to listen to it again so 
I don't think it was trash at all. If I had to rate it after a first listen, I'd give it a I'd give it a seven. Um, genuinely, um, with regards to length, like Jay Jay even said, like Jay said, it was too long and it could have been a lot shorter. Perhaps so, but I guess it the length of it made me appreciate the last twenty minutes of it a lot more because I actually I I sort of persevered with it and got to a point with the song where I was like, I'm actually really into this now. And it is really, it does, you do get taken over by the sound eventually. So I actually appreciate the suggestion and it's something I would never have listened to normally. So um, as much as I hate James for fucking wrecking my own suggestion, I have to applaud him for uh, allowing me to listen to an album like this. Um, I'm just looking forward to, to 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 hear what he has to like suggest like next time um, if he is suggesting because this was a this was an interesting lesson to say the least. Well, there you go, George. Josh is ever magnanimous, decent man, magnanimous, magnanimous in victory um, or, or defeat, whichever way you want to interpret it. Um, Jay, yeah, I do agree with Josh in the sense that there was a point, kind of twenty minutes in, where I was like, I honestly just want to throw my phone out the window just to make it fucking stop. And by kind of halfway in, I was actually like, oh, you know, what? I'm kind of glad I stuck through with it. I'm kind of, I'm getting into it now. It's kind of, I'm not loving it. I'm probably not even liking it, but, you know, it, I'm kind of vibing with it a bit. It's kind of like, you know, with Lord of the Rings, when it's like you've sat through like five hours of walking and then you've got that cool fight scene at the end of Two Towers and everyone's like, oh yeah, this is actually a fucking sick film. It kind of felt like that, you know, like where you pretend you kind of didn't mind the rest and then you get to the good bit and you're like, oh, okay, it was kind of worth sitting through it. That's kind of, to me, what it reminded me of. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, James, offer any responses? I mean, no, not really, other than to say, obviously, that I don't think that anything in this uh, album or track or whatever is particularly um, mind-blowing. I think that anything that comes off as powerful or that is particularly effective only comes off at that because you've been listening to it for an hour, which feels like an eternity, which is sort of the point of the, of the, of the album. Um, I think Pitchfork, I, I'm going to acknowledge my plagiarism, uh, had said something like, oh, you know, this is an album that feels like uh, when it feels like the world is just like completely broken you and you can't continue anymore, but nevertheless, you still just, get up and you just fucking get on with it because that's just how you live. Um, and, and that's what the album really feels like, feels like to me. Um, it's, it, it feels sort of endless, <laughs> like, it, like it never stops. But it's also, I think, it does have, have powerful moments um, in it. That's, that's all. Yeah, Josh, uh, before we wrap up, do you want to offer any kind of final, final remarks? Just a quick question to ask James, like, how did he stumble across this album? And how did he, I mean, how did he warm to the sound? Because it's obviously a very, very difficult thing to appreciate for a lot of people. Um, I mean, I, I already, I listened to quite a lot of, uh, ex like, experimental or alternative metal. And I think it's, that was why, why I kind of said at the start, is that, Basically, I was listening to a lot of electronic music and then that moved into a lot of ambient music and then that moved into a lot of drone and industrial. And then like er loads of my loads of my friends, I know even those who like, wouldn't listen to metal at all, all listen to Sano. Um, so, you, I mean, you should give Sano a try. It's literally like these guys just like slamming guitars <laughs> beside amplifiers for like half an hour at a time. Um, it's remarkably good for either hallucinating or doing work. 
Um, and then from that, you sort of branch out because a lot of these bands are all signed to the same like, label and things, and they're all friends with each other. And um, also, like, if you listen to a lot of prog, like, people who are into Pink Floyd, you move to King Crimson, and then literally you move straight to metal because King Crimson already is a metal band anyway. Um, I'm not entirely sure how I came across this album in particular, but... Um, Quarter of the Crimson King is a 10 out of 10 album. Just want to put that out there. Um, okay. Um, I think that's kind of a good place to wrap it up because that was quite quite nice macro view of, of that kind of progression of artists. So I'd just like to thank all of you for um, your album suggestions, your research, your time for li listening to the albums because I know like this is one of the more work intensive pods that we run um, on this channel um, compared to some of the other series because of all the stuff we have to actually listen to. So so thank you to all of you. Looking forward to hearing one of Jay's suggestions for next time, um, and we'll um, you know get some good good feedback to him um but yeah no arjun josh again happy diwali arjun thanks yeah no worries thanks always a pleasure to be on see you next josh. time yeah like it was great to be on today and like i felt this discussion was really really useful and i'm looking forward to doing it next week as well so yeah Same. yeah great many many thanks uh, is the podcast still recording yeah oh great <laughs> bye everyone <laughs> By one listener. <laughs> Cheers. And, and uh, yeah, Jay. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same. <laughs> I don't know anything else we'll have. See you later. Bye. Okay. Um. The Symposium with Ash Orlack.